Thank you, ladies, for your help tonight. Well, it was good singing, wasn't it? Appreciate that. The Lord's faithfulness. He knows my name. I believe the Bible said the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. Amen. He knows them that are His. And I'm pretty sure He won't forget. Nor make any mistakes. And uh, so all I know to do is just trust the Lord. It's all I all we can do, isn't it? Just trust God, believe God. And um, so that's what we're going to try to do. By the help of the Lord, it's just trust the Lord. In these days, as dark as it's getting, I don't know about you, home sounds sweeter every day. The more I think about it and the more I learn of it, I, uh, the more I want to be there. And so... Just uh, keep your eyes on the Lord. We're going to make it through this and uh, get through this old uh, sin-cursed world. And we're headed to a land that's fairer than day. Isn't that something? Won't it be something? Boy, I wish I could just go into all that. Well, okay, let's just go to 2 Corinthians. and just We don't need me rambling tonight. Though I may, you'll just have to Forgive me tonight if I do, because my, when my, my brain has got to be geared in one direction, and if I get other things in there, it's liable all to come out at once. So I just have to stay focused on what I'm doing. And um, so you just pray for me tonight. <clears throat> so we're in 2 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 4. And um, we're going to just not go back any. We're just going to start where we left off uh, Sunday. And um, we will start reading in verse number 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And that we faint not, the last part of this verse here, seems to play into things as we come on down uh, and we get to this matter of being hid. And um, so we'll deal with that as we move on. But that's important. As he said, the outset of this, we have the setting of what is being contrasted. We're not looking upon Moses who is reflecting the brightness of a shadow, uh, but we are beholding Jesus himself who is the very image of God. And um, so he lays that out, and therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden, hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, remember, the conscience can't save you, but you can't get saved without it. It can bear witness to what is right, but it can't tell you what is right, right? But your conscience can bear witness to what is correct and what is right and what is true. And all that man lost in the fall, he gained a conscience. His conscience was awakened, right? 
And so God gave a man a conscience. And if you sear that conscience, I don't believe you can be saved. Uh, you can sear your conscience. Don't sin against your conscience. Don't sear your conscience. That'll harden you. That's the deceitfulness of sin. It'll harden you. And it'd be a whole lot uh, more difficult as you move on in sin and continue anything uh, for you to be broken of it uh, because of that hardness there. And mainly what's happening is your conscience is no longer, um, you know, approved. It's excusing your behavior, right, as you continue on in it. And the judgment of God's not executed speedily in a matter of the heart of men set to do. So uh, you, as you see, well, maybe I'm getting by with this. And it makes you harden to the reality is, no, no, you're not getting by. God's just a merciful God, right? And so um, what is being said here and what is being laid out in verse number two, we saw verse number one, which is our purpose. And we've moved into verse number two. We need to see our purity. And we see the purity that we should have in our cause, our motive, in our conduct, and in our creed. In our cause, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. And our motives are no longer dishonest, but we lie not one to another, right? We tell the truth. Uh, in this days, or let me let me rephrase that: We should be telling the truth in these days. And if you ever get the truth, it ought to be from a pulpit. Amen. If anybody is going to be open and manifesting truth, it ought to be the man of God from the pulpit. And uh, that's really is what's being said here, though I don't believe this is exclusive to preachers. Uh, certainly it is very important in preaching, uh, but this is for all of us. We should all be renouncing hidden things of dishonesty. Uh, and so that's the, the first part of our motive or our cause. We should be pure in that motive. Renouncing, speaking against is primarily what is being talked about here. Though our life should match what we're saying, what's being dealt with here is what's being spoken, what's being said. We have spoken against that word renounce. The hidden things of dishonesty, and we're not walking in craftiness. And I said a few things about that Sunday. I won't go on in that any longer. Uh, but for me to not tell you what this Bible says would be dishonest, right? So for no reason whatsoever, God help a preacher that wants to keep numbers in a building and won't tell people the truth, right? I don't want to sit under somebody that's going to spare my feelings at the expense of truth. Just don't give me your opinion of the matter. Just give me the truth of what God said. Is that the way you felt? As when I was lost, I just wanted to know what God thought about me. Don't pretty it up. Just tell me what the Bible said. What does God think about me? What does God say about the matter? Because there's a bunch of opinions out there and they've got me nowhere. What does God say? And that's what we need to do in our lives, not letting uh, things of dishonesty uh, creep in. Uh, I know that happens at times and, and I, I understand it being a fallen man, but in no way uh, can I... I, as a preacher, uh, be dishonest by not being fully manifesting the truth, and which is he's going to talk about. The truth he's referencing here is the gospel, right? 
And so I don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. I don't have to make it any easier for you to accept or any, any easier for you to comprehend. I just need to fully manifest the truth. Just proclaim and preach the truth. Don't mix it up with man's emotions or feelings or doctrines or presuppositions. Just give it to me as God got it laid out in the Bible. Right? That's the way I want it. Don't pretty it up for me. I got to make enough excuses for myself. Just give me the truth. Do you feel that way? Amen. You shall know the truth, right? And the truth shall make you free. Let's uh, keep that in its context. Now, but not walking in craftiness. We're not um, operating in a manner that is uh, trickery, is this word that's being used here. So we're not, uh, we've spoken against, we've renounced any hidden things of dishonesty. We're not walking in craftiness. And we're, nor are we, this is Paul saying this, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And so in this last part here, we're pure in our cause, pure in our conduct, and pure in our creed. We are not handling the Word of God deceitfully, are we? We shouldn't be. Uh, we should be handling the Word of God with integrity. He said this early on, remember. We're not uh, uh, of those that corrupt the Word of God, right? But being of God, in the sight of God, speak we the truth. And that's the way we've got to be. And I know preachers that have mastered the art of almost saying something. <laughs> Haven't you? They're so general in how they preach things as to not offend anybody. Well, Jesus wasn't preaching in generalities when he looked at people and said, you're a viper is what you are, right? Just tell the truth. Just put it out there. Like the Bible said. Amen. Now, uh, we're not uh, walking in craftiness any longer. We've spoken against these dishonest things. So what? that's the negative side of things. Our doctrines should be pure. Our motives, our, our creed, our conduct, and our cause should all be pure. And it should be the truth. And we should do, be doing what then? If we're not doing those things, what are we doing on the positive side? Because you need the other. By manifestation of the truth. Now... This word manifestation here of the truth is, again, in its context, I, I'm not saying that it's not saying because I believe there should be a twofold witness to the gospel. I believe that's why in verse number 18, the previous chapter he talked about, and we're beholding him, and as by the Spirit of God, we're changed into that same image, right? And so therefore, seeing we have this ministry, uh, so it's not enough to have just one without the other. A man should live of the gospel that's going to preach the gospel. And that's not uh, um, uh, in this context uh, talking about what I'm saying here. But I'm talking about our lives should properly reflect who Christ is just as much as our message is, right? This idea of do as I say, not as I do, doesn't go far, does it? Does that work with kids? Now, you might beat them into that, but I promise you when they get old enough to make their own decision, they got zero respect for that. Amen. Right? They're going to primarily focus on what you're doing. Right? And uh, so our conduct and our way of life and manifesting the truth here is we are commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We have renounced all of those things and what we're doing. And Paul said this, he kept back nothing from serving God, went from house to house, and he preached repentance towards God and faith in Jesus, and he never changed his message when he changed crowds, right? And I know a lot of people, when they get around softer crowds, their message gets a little softer, Right? 
It's like when they get around folks that don't, can't handle Bible preaching, they lay it out in a manner that's a lot of, well, I, I've always wondered how they're able to do that. And uh, Paul's saying that here, it's very possible, and we have to be careful to just manifest the truth, just speak the truth. Right? You're not going to be popular by that, and the, and the world's not going to accept it, and we're going to be in the minority most of the time if we adhere to the truth. But I promise you there's a God in heaven that's well pleased by our manifestation of the truth. Right? Just speak the truth in Christ and lie not and manifest that truth. The gospel has the power to change lives and we ought to exhibit the changed life of who Christ is to a lost world and exhibit the power of that gospel. Right? And so that's uh, what he's saying we're doing. And we all should be doing that. We should be commending ourselves to every man's conscience the sight of God. How's he doing that? He's not doing that by making himself look better to anybody else, right? He's not at the expense of someone else making himself better. He's just giving the truth and letting God work in that man's conscience to bring him to Christ. It doesn't mean his, con- his conscience will bear witness to what's right, but he can still reject the gospel. He can still renounce and go against his conscience and not accept our gospel. But that's not my business. That's on him, right? My job is to just manifest the truth, just proclaim the truth. What people want you to do, you go around, I mean, you you ask a lot of a preacher to not want him to preach against things that this Bible preaches against. Don't ask me to do that. That's dishonest of me. Don't ask me to water things down about how to, what I believe this Bible teaches. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But don't expect me not to preach it, right? I just got to preach it. I just want to preach it straight. I want to preach it right, just as, just as balanced as the Bible presents it, and us just accept it the way that it is or reject it if you don't believe it, right? I mean, that's, a, that's every man's conscience in the sight of God. I don't answer for your conscience. I answer for the manifestation of the truth, right? So that's what he's exhorting us to do here because there's a lot of reasons why we a lot of us have a lot of reasons of why we don't do what we're supposed to do and uh, so what he's exhorting us to do here is encouraging us of how much kind of Hebrews language here how much better we have it how much greater we have it we don't have it like Moses. We don't have it like they were looking upon him, right? We have Christ, the image of God that we beheld his glory. And then seeing how much better this ministration of the Spirit, and not, not the law which worketh death, and, uh, but, but, but this uh, Spirit that worketh life and brings life. See how much, how much more powerful it is, how much more, how much, uh, uh, more plain that it is. He used the plainness of speech there and not the wisdom of men, Right? I don't have to come up with, I don't have to go searching through dictionaries to find fancy words to use to try to impress you with. That's not going to help anybody anyway, is it? <laughs> Lord, help me. Let's, let's just go on. I just need to be, use great plainness of speech, right? And so we, uh, uh, he's exhorting us here, seeing how much better we have it, how much better our message is, how much better our gospel is, how much better the glory is and excel it, how much more we should be uh, desiring in our own selves to not be manifesting ourselves, but manifesting the truth and not be hiding what we have. There's nothing to be ashamed of, right? There's nothing to worry about. Well, there's nothing to this and there's nothing. No, we can plainly exhibit by experience that this gospel has the power of God to save anybody that'll believe, right? And we ought to have confidence in that. 
I don't care how lost that they are. And he goes on to the third verse. Okay, so you go to the third verse. We see the predicament where it ends where we left off. So we're disclosing the truth. We're proclaiming the truth uh, that their conscience bears witness to, though they may reject it still. The predicament that is being presented here in verse 3, we talked somewhat about this, the first part, uh, the predicament that we're in. If our gospel, now you'll read a lot of Calvinists, they'll interpret this verse, um, which I don't recommend by the way, I'm just saying if you do, uh, read after a lot of men like that, they'll try to make this verse to say uh, something talking about that person that is hid to them uh, because they have rejected that. I've read, I don't know how many different people that said that and I just don't believe that's what it's saying. So if our gospel be, because in its context, I don't believe that is what the Bible verse is saying here. So he's saying we've received this ministry as we've attained mercy. We have a ministry. We faint not. Right? And that's, that's, what, that's still the subject he's dealing with. And then he comes to this verse and says, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. So don't, what happens is their, their theology is being read into the verse, right? Does anybody else here have a problem with what that verse is saying? Is that pretty evident to everybody? If I don't proclaim and by manifestation of the truth, if I don't proclaim the gospel, so what is the manifestation? What is the truth being referenced? Verse 3, if our gospel... He didn't say, but if the truth, so he's referencing the gospel is the truth, right? And so by manifestation and proclamation of the gospel that's able to save men, if we hide that gospel, but if our gospel be hid, now who's, who would possibly in their right mind hide the answer to sin and to salvation and eternal life to anybody? Would Jesus hide that from anybody? So you want me to believe that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners and then he hides it from those and commands them to believe it. Because that's what you're saying if you say they're, they're foreordained and uh, believe Calvinist doctrine. It's what you have to believe, right? So it wouldn't be Christ. Is, is, is he not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance? Is that the God we believe in? So it wouldn't be God. God's not hiding the gospel from anybody. In fact, he's gone above and beyond to get us the gospel numerous times. Wouldn't you say that? I would say amen to that. And uh, so Christ isn't obviously hiding the gospel. God's not hiding the gospel. Is the Spirit of God hiding the gospel? Would he, would he uh, uh, accidentally get busy that day and have a bad day and forget to present it to anybody? No. So it's not referencing the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God, his, uh, Jesus told us if I go, it's not good that I, if, I, if I don't go because then the Spirit won't come. And so I'm going to pray the Father's going to send you another and the Spirit's going to come and he's, gonna, he's not going to testify of himself. He's going to testify of me, right? And then he's going to do the things, that he lists, those three things that we know. So if his ministry, the Spirit of God, is to make evident and illuminate the minds of people to the truth, it's not him that's hiding the gospel. Now, how can it be the individual hiding it? Because if you're going to interpret that verse the way that they're talking about, but if our gospel be hid, and it's talking about what they're trying to say is, is that lost person, it's hid to them because they refuse to believe it. I just have a hard time making that straight. I can't make that connection. But if our gospel be hid, so what they're saying there is, is the gospel's hid to me. Well, it's not hid to me if I'm able to reject it. Would that be true? 
So how possibly can that verse make sense to be talking about the lost man if the lost man's hiding the gospel to himself by refusing to receive the light? By refusing the gospel, he's hiding it to himself. That makes absolutely no sense at all. But you wouldn't believe how many people believe that. Uh, but um, the, the logical uh, explanation for this verse is just as simple as it's laid out here. Here's our ministry. We don't want to, we, we, we've received mercy. Let's not faint in that ministry. What is most of the time we faint? We start thinking about fainting. When I, when I start thinking, God help me not to grow weary and faint in my mind. Right? You remember that verse? When I think about fainting, I almost always think selfishly. When I pray, God, please don't help me to quit. Is that what fainting is, basically? God, please don't help me to quit. Help me to stay faithful, Lord. I want to. What do we normally think? Well, God, help me not to quit being faithful to church. God, help me not to quit being faithful to read my Bible. God, help me not to quit being faithful to, uh, to, to, uh, to live holy and to live separated and, not, and let these walls of separation down and give in uh, to pressure from culture and children and uh, all kinds of other things. And, uh, God, and that's usually my prayer. Uh, here he's talking about, has any of us ever worried about fainting and getting out the gospel? Rarely do we. We think so selfishly. God, help me not to faint. I don't want to quit. Well, you don't want to quit what, friend? Well, normally those things that I listed. But here, the writer's talking about, we faint not. Now, he makes it as an emphatic statement, um, uh, uh, as though uh, not that he had confidence in himself, but he's just, uh, it's, a, it's a verse of determination to me. He has determined, God's been merciful to me, and I am not going to faint and quit God. I am going to keep telling this lost world whether they receive it or not, and they try to kill me. I don't care what they do with it. I am going to tell the world about Jesus, how he died for their sins and rose again if they hang me upside down. Amen. That's what I think he's saying. There. So if our gospel be hid, if I don't manifest the truth of this world, that means it's hid to them who need it most, right? It's hid to them that are lost. Now, what is the gospel and the context here? What have we been dealing a lot with? We've been dealing a lot with light. He's going to deal more with light. So that idea of hiding makes sense because it references back to Jesus when he's talking about uh, uh, no man yet lighteth a candle, right, and hide it. It's talking about light. And that gospel is light to a man's darkened mind. It is a bright, shining light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. How God came into this world himself, provided a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And they can see the image, not of an act of a bloody cross on some Catholic movie. They can see a man, Christ Jesus, God in the flesh, Emmanuel with us, dying for the sins of the people, bearing and raised again by his own power. And you see a man, an image of God. It's wonderful. And if we hide that, now, I'm not going to go in and have these deep theological debates with people that start out with a bad premise to begin with. Because what they want to say, they want to paint me in Finney's corner, and then they want to say, well, so God's dependent upon you to save men's souls. You're making it men dependent, all those things. You paint me in what corner you want to. Put me into any theological box that you want to. But I believe that you and I as Christians have a responsibility to preach the gospel to people, and I am unsure of anyone's ability to be saved apart from hearing the preaching of the Word of God. 
You're going to have to tell me that they're going to have to end up like Billy Graham in their later years and say they never even knew the name of Jesus, but they're going to end up in heaven anyway. You'd have to come up with something like that. That doesn't happen. There is one way into eternal life and have your sins forgiven, and that is to believe on the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Right? So you'd have to say that there's some other way, and I don't know of any other way. Uh, now, don't go to the book of Acts to prove me wrong because you're going to be in trouble going back to the book of Acts. Because if you're going to go back to the book of Acts, there's a whole lot of other things we'd have to pull out of the book of Acts, wouldn't it? Let's all sell everything we've got and let's bring it to the church and distribution be made as to who needs it. Who's up for that tonight? Some of us are because we don't have much sale. I can hand you a banknote and they own everything I got. Right? So, We've got to be careful making doctrines out of, out of those books. But here much, here, this much we do know. We know that the Bible supports the idea that how shall they call on him who have not believed? How shall they believe on him they not heard? And how shall they hear unless they have a preacher? Amen. Right? Could God do what he done for Saul of Tarsus and appear in a bright light and strike him down? Yes, he absolutely can and did and probably might one day. I don't know. But the New Testament teaches me that uh, the fullness of the canon of scriptures has come. And I believe the greatest gift, that's why Paul was exhorting that we would all seek to prophesy, right? The preaching of the word of God is foolishness to them that perish, but unto us it's the power of God. Preaching. I love it. Now, so if that's true, because one of the others is true, either this is just some funny game that, you know, which we know is not true, we don't even want to say that, or the Bible means what it says, and you and I have been entrusted with a ministry of reconciliation, and it's on us to make sure that the lost see it. Right? Not that they get it, not they accept it. We just got to make sure that they get the light. Right? Okay, so that's the context of what's being dealt with there. And, and the light that we have to give. He's already told us how wonderful that is. So, we preach not our... So, verse number four. Let, let, let's start here. So, verse number three. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. That's the predicament that we are in. We are in a predicament... Uh, which verse number five is going to help us with. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let's, 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 let's go on. So verse number four is going to talk about the predicament that they are in. So we're in a predicament here. If our gospel be hid, and uh, from my understanding of the Bible, and I stand to be corrected, uh, it's only us that is responsible for the hiding. Think about it now. I'm not saying that he doesn't. Trying to think through, make sure what I'm going to say is right. But I believe this is right. When I just run quickly through my mind of the verses in this New Testament that talk about the work of the enemy, most of his work is on the receiving end. You know what I mean by that? Okay, let me give you this. Uh, the seed and the sower. Remember that parable? He doesn't come away and jump in front of the seed and knock it down. He comes and takes it away and it chokes and the care of this life and he steals away. He comes to take the word away out of the receiving end of who received the message. 
Uh, so let's think about it. Just run through, run through it quickly. Right, here's this verse. The next verse is going to talk about whom the God of this world has blinded the minds, not of the preacher, right. not of the witness, not of the person being a faithful witness, not of the one giving out the gospel. So, so who is ultimately responsible to get it out and who is responsible to make sure it's not hid? See, I don't think it's the gospel. Now, can, does he have an indirect work in which he can affect our lives and that he can wait? I guess, I guess if we want to give him the, the excuse to be able to do that, but I don't believe he has the power to keep us from proclaiming the gospel because it's God's gospel. Right? And he wants it proclaimed and I fail to believe the enemy could successfully keep it from being proclaimed. Boy, have you ever read some of those accounts when them, uh, is it Bona Hafer? I can't remember here. In the darkest of times, this gospel will get out. That's what they're so afraid of. That, uh, they, uh, that's what Hitler was so afraid of. He was scared of that gospel. If they make one convert, it'll turn into ten. Right. Amen. <laughs> he knows that gospel's going to keep spreading. When it puts joy and peace in a man's heart, of course it would spread in the midst of darkness. Hallelujah. He wanted to stop that gospel. Who was it, Voltaire, that made sure that before his lifetime was up, that this word of God would be removed, would be abolished, would be done away with, and people would quit forgetting about believing these fairy tales, and he's dead, and he's in hell, and here we are still preaching it. In fact, Jesus said, and this is offensive language, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is what Brother Reed was singing about. Onward, Christian soldier, just keep marching on, church, because the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. That is us marching against the enemy and them on defense. So we just keep on marching on. This gospel cannot be stopped. There's one way it can that I'm aware of, and that's if me and you refuse to tell it. Now, Again, please, I don't want to, well, you can call me later when we talk about it, but I, I would still stand to be corrected. But I just, I just fail to see that, that, that God has given us a commandment. He's given us a ministry. Brother Blue used to talk about, uh, talking about paying for missions, that God had it figured out to down to the very dime, and God's, it's God's ministry, it's God's mission program, and God will pay every dime of the bill. And I believe that. And so you and I are the only ones standing in the way of the gospel getting out. Would that be a fair assumption to me? Now, I'm thinking through that, and I stand to be corrected, because I, but then sure, the enemy can take a lot of things on our, I mean, man, you just go down, you can think right now, quickly, you could probably give me five things that the enemy could do to keep you from giving out the gospel. But that wasn't, he was successful because you let him be successful. Would that be fair? Yes. God's given us power, has he not? Yes. And so, if he's getting by the exceeding greatness of his power, uh, I, I don't believe, because the Bible said this, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you don't feel less of the flesh. So if you can do that, surely this gospel's power enough. Surely the God who can command the light to shine out of darkness can keep this gospel going forward. Surely he's got enough resources in heaven to help this old lowly sinner and help him preach the gospel. Right? Sure he does. So here's the predicament we're in. We've got to get ourselves to a place where we just determine in ourselves we are not going to faint in getting out the gospel and we're going to proclaim a manifestation of the truth. 
And here's the predicament that they are in. Read it with me now, and we'll, we'll just get a couple more. Okay, so here's the predicament they are in. Read it with me. Verse 4, in whom the God of this world. Now, we know who that is, right? Is that Satan? It's not the God of the Bible. It's the God of this world. Who the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. He has blinded them. Is that right? So who's it referencing? You got a colon at the end of loss in verse 3, right? It's hid to them that are lost. So this is an explanation of the lost. The lost have been blinded by the God of this world. So let's think through this now. Here's a predicament they are in. I'm in a predicament to not let anything get in my life to make sure they get the message of the gospel. Because they are in a predicament of such that the God of this world has blinded their minds. Why? What's he blinded them about? Right? What we're going to be given, the gospel. What is the one thing he fears most? A Baptist preacher. (laughs) A Baptist church member. A deacon. A treasurer. No. He fears this gospel because he knows it's the power of God. He knew who Jesus was when he came into this world. When that that Bible talked about in whom the prince of this world they wouldn't have crucified had they known he was the Lord of glory, that's not talking about dark powers. That's talking about Roman powers. They would have never crucified him. They never knew who he was. But the devils did and they trembled. Have you come to torment us before our time? For we know thee whom thou art, thou holy one of God. That's what the demons said about him. Satan was so, so geared towards, you think Satan forgot Genesis 3.15? You think he didn't know? So what did he try to do? He tried to get a decree made to kill all the firstborn. He was trying to kill Jesus before he ever got started. He knew who he was. The princes of this world didn't. They wouldn't have put him on a cross. They were blinded to it. And I think that's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But Satan knew what he was doing. And he tried all along, got into the minds of one of his disciples to betray him and fell right into a trap. He fell right into an ambush, didn't he? Boy, God's just got it all figured out because he's not omniscient. So he doesn't know all things, but he knows what, well, so he knew who Jesus was, knew he was coming along, and he took, did he not take him up and try to say, I'll give you all the kingdoms. This all can be yours. Can't tell these stones to turn into bread. I know you're hungry. Tried to tempt him to just do one thing and sin against God. Because then he wouldn't be, wouldn't be a perfect sacrifice, would he? All along he tried to do. And then I guess he just thought, if maybe if I can just kill him and fail for the greatest trap. For that was the very thing God intended to do when he came into this world, was to die <laughs> and be made a propitiation for your sins, that he might be, hallelujah. And, and uh, boy, don't you know that makes him mad. Now, I know I've said it before, but I think about this verse often. There's no, let's see. There's no beauty in him that we should desire him. You know, Isaiah 53. I think about that verse often. Because Satan had built in organs, didn't he? 
He had pipes built in. He could make music. I'm talking about the most beautiful creature God had ever created. And he cannot figure out why in the world that we would want to just worship the, old, the lowly servant of God and not this beautiful creation. It's not his great beauty, it's his character of who he is that I love him for, don't you? And so, so he's blinded their minds because what does he fear most? He fears the light of this gospel. The light of this gospel is the only thing, it is the only remedy by which a man can be taken out of Adam, placed into Christ, and live forever. It's the only thing. God will not save anybody outside of Christ. And you say, well, what am I going to tell you? Well, I'm talking, I, didn't, I didn't say past. I'm talking about he's going to reconcile all things into one. One day. God will definitely not save anybody at the expense of his character, would he? So that he might be just and a justifier. It's by the gospel is the only remedy by which he can pronounce a man guilty. I mean, uh, uh, not guilty, right? So the only way to, to, to remedy the situation is the gospel. So what the devil's done, because he knows that, he has already gone and he's blinded the minds of people. He's blinded them. So you think, okay, that's in the proper language of it being hid, right? You're, you're blinded, groping about in the dark. Uh, you remember them verses? Uh, you're blinded, so to speak. You're in darkness. Is that what the Bible talks about, lost people? So, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So, so uh, unbelievers have a mind that's blinded by the God of this world. Now, don't get them any more blind than God said they were dead. Right? A Calvinist takes a dead man and he can't even believe on himself. He can't even believe by himself. Well, if he can't believe by himself, he can't sin by himself. How's that sound? Which they believe, by the way. God authored it. So, he's blinded, but listen to this. He's not so blind that he can't see the gospel. Yeah, read it with me. So, the predicament that they're in. They're already blinded because he knows that this gospel can change their life. So, the God of this world blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest... So, he blinded them so that the glorious light that we've been dealing with, this glorious gospel, this light of God, this light of the gospel should shine in unto them. So, he's blinded their minds because he doesn't want them to see. (laughs) And on their own, they may not. But you take this gospel and you take it to a sinner and you tell them about Jesus and there is a light that will go forth unto them that no devil or no demon in hell can blind and stop them from seeing. Now they can reject it, right? But he can blind all he wants to. This this glorious gospel can shine a light in unto a man where he'll never be in darkness again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, we got to. And I think what he's saying here, he said, well, all this in its its basic form is very simple, but it's very difficult to do. But look how vital that it is. It's hid to them that are lost. Their minds are blinded. 
Right? They need us. And how pitiful we are at meeting the call. Aren't we? Come on now, don't die on me. That's what stirs in the heart of these men like Brother Ben when they get God calls them the mission field. And Brother Kale, this ought to be the same thing in you and I is to glorify God and service to others by preaching Jesus. Now that's what he's going to say. Now we don't have time tonight. But the predicament that they're in, let's read the rest of the verse because it says for a fact who the image is that was seen earlier. The which they believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in unto them. Amen. So, friend, Cam, preachers, Brother Nathan, so therefore we preach not ourselves. Amen. So, Brother Clint, I'm not a preacher, so I get to skip out tonight. Oh, no, 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 no. no. You're on your job? Don't preach yourself. I tell you what, bless God, I wouldn't ever. That ain't going to get nobody anywhere. Just keep telling them about Jesus. Because <laughs> when they find out the truth about you, they're going to be real disappointed. So just keep preaching Jesus because they'll never be disappointed in Him. So we preach not ourselves. So I'm going to stop here because it's going to take us somewhere else. But this verse will end on because we'll come back here. For we preach not ourselves. But Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. And if you had a, I've got a special prayer request tonight, you know about Hunter. But when you pray for me, you pray for your pastor, I want you to pray this verse for me. That God would just help me keep preaching Jesus and be a servant for Jesus' sake. That's what I want to be. That's what I'm striving after. That's what Paul said. We're preaching not ourselves. Look at the, well, I don't, well, we see our proclamation. So we see the predicament we're in, the predicament they're in. We see our proclamation in verse 5. So you can forget about, well, I feel so unworthy. I feel so inadequate. I feel so, well, that's good because you're not preaching yourself. (laughs) Well, just dig in this book and tell tell them about the ark of God. Tell them about the, the, the Lamb of God. Tell them about the... You can see Him in every book. Just tell them about the Lord. Now, we're going to turn to Philippians when we get down through here. Because I think this is the time and the culture that we're in. This is one of the most challenging things in our time is to have this. Brother Oliver mentioned it not long ago in that liberty that we have but by love serve one another. So this is not just the preacher, though he, though he should be leading the way in service to others. This is for all of us. We should all be servants to one another for Jesus' sake. And so we'll come back here. We'll go to Philippians 2 and look at some things there and come back here. I really wanted to get down to these other parts, but it's already 15 after, and I just think we need to go home tonight. Um, Hunters, uh, they, COVID only comes out after 8 o'clock at night. So the hospital's shut down at 8. And um, not even a mask is effective after 8. It's amazing. And uh, so um, 
I've got to call up there and let them know what we want to do about a matter, and they won't let me go up there So um, tonight. So you pray for that matter. But you pray for me, and pray for Cam and Brother Nathan, Brother Easley, Brother Ben, all of us preachers, that we would lead the way in this matter of service to others for Christ's sake. And then we'll come back and deal on with, I think we'll finish this chapter out and before we go back to Romans probably. So you just pray. Why don't we get us a verse just in case somebody might want to come tonight. And um, God's beginning to stir my heart and I'm thankful for that. Then I would be more faithful in service to others. And what greater service is there than just proclaiming Christ to a lost world. It stirs me for missions, but it stirs me personally that I'd do better there. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Help us all to say that. Don't let us get choked by the cares and affections of this life. You said you've called us to be soldiers, and no soldier entangleth themselves with the affairs of this life. And so help us, Lord, to be focused, focused upon proclaiming Jesus before it's too late to those that are lost. And let us not faint in getting out the gospel. We love you. Forgive us of our sins. Meet these many needs that have been mentioned already tonight. In Jesus' name. You can stand if you'd like to stand just a moment. Brother Reed's going to sing. If you need to come, you come on.